step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew tonight as we break down the entire weekend from Texas Motor Speedway. The NASCAR Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series race today, the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500. Denny Hamlin was your winner. Clint Boyer finished second. We'll talk about that race. We'll also break down the Xfinity Series race where Kyle Busch won again and the Truck Series race on Friday night, which was won by, you guessed it, Kyle Busch. 917-889-8280 is the number to call tonight here on Talking Circles. If you want to talk about anything uh, from this race weekend, even qualifying. We'll dive into that a little bit later as well, where we had a little bit of another uh, controversy after qualifying where NASCAR came out and said a few words, and we'll get Phillips and my perspective on what we think we need to do moving forward here uh, in, uh, as far as qualifying is concerned on these mile and a half tracks. Let's break it down, Philip. O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 from Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Denny Hamlin was your winner, and then it was Clint Boyer, Daniel Suarez, Eric Jones, and Jimmy Johnson. His first top five finish, Philip, since the Coca-Cola 600 of last year. Almost hard to believe it's been ten months since Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, ten months since Jimmy Johnson has had a top five finish. He did it today at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, Hamlin had a pretty fast car, had two pit roads penalty, one which was very nitpicky of of the arms length. where the tire carrier's got to keep the tire and arm's length from, from on a pit stop, which I think is it's such a weird rule. Um, yeah. But Hamlin came back twice from that, had a really fast car, and Boyer was fast towards the end until that pit stop where he had to pit for gas, and he never really could close up on Denny Hamlin again. So a big win for Hamlin. Um, you know, this is his first win on a, on a non-play track in a long, long time. So a big win for him. Do you think this puts Hamlin in that conversation I mean, we know Kyle had some. Kyle Busch had some issues today. It wasn't the same old Kyle Busch that we saw. He finished tenth, though. He hit the wall and uh, had to pit, but it, it to be too too bad because he still had a really fast race car at the end of that race. Um, but he ended up tenth. But what does this do for Denny Hamlin as far as the championship picture is concerned here in 2019? Yeah, I mean, for Denny Hamlin to go and win at a cookie cutter track especially a track that is going to be in the playoffs here later this year. It's a big deal for him. You don't really consider Danny Hamlin to be somebody that would win on cookie cutters, at least not for basically the past five to seven years. I probably remember when he, in 2010, when he probably could have won that championship. That's one of the, that's as far as I could go back to where I could think of Hamlin being good everywhere. You think of Denny Hamlin, he's good on the short tracks, of course, and he's become somewhat of a road racer recently. Uh, the fact that he won the day, I mean, he used the the track position, used the pitch strategy. Uh, him and uh, Chris Gabehart seem to be hitting on all cylinders. 
and that's something, and especially because, you know, they were mentioning it late in the race about Chris Bell, it's probably a good thing that Denny Hamlin's figuring it out because this last couple of years he hasn't really been out there or been uh, as much of a factor as he used to be. So um, I I don't think he's at the level of Kyle or Brad in terms Mm -hmm. of championship favorites, but the fact is he has two wins. He's locked in. He doesn't have to worry about anything the rest of the year. And now he could just build on, you know, build on the chemistry and build momentum while they're building better cars. And who knows what that'll mean, you know, a few months down the line when it, when all the, when you know, all the chips are on the table for the playoffs and the championship. A lot of guys had issues today. We've talked about Denny Hamlin's issues. Clint Boyer had some issues today as well. One of the drivers who didn't have issues with your third-place runner was Daniel Suarez. Uh, sixth in Stage 1. Um, he ended up third in Stage 2, finished third today. A very fast race car. We saw that in qualifying where he went out and made a, a lap all by himself. And, and just it really showed how good that 41 car was today. Uh, do you think this is sort of an outlier for Suarez, or do you think this is something he can build on? Uh, we know what Stuart Haas Racing has done. They have speed. We see Amarola finish seventh, Harvick eighth today. Not what you want to usually see from Harvick uh, if you're a Kevin Harvick fan, considering where he was a year ago. But still, Stuart Haas Racing has enough speed to where I feel like they can find it by the end of the year. Um, but a nice day by Daniel Suarez for sure in that 41 car. Uh, it seems like, you know, it, I think this is only a sixth career top five finish, something to that nature. So a solid day. It's a sort of his hometown race track because his family can come from Mexico to see him run at uh, at Texas. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Clint Boyer and Daniel Suarez's day from second and third? Yeah, I mean, considering Clint made the quote of the weekend uh, on Friday in regards to the um, great qualifying, and I put great in air quotes, uh, session that occurred and he came from, as Rusty Wallace would say, tailback, basically, and uh, finished second. If he had actually been able to qualify in a legitimate qualifying session, who knows where he would have been. He might have been the best car in the whole entire racetrack. But Daniel Suarez kind of did that. He went out there on his own, put it out there, and was able to kind of manage the the qualifying session, got a fourth-place start, made the best of it, the fact is Suarez is an Xfinity champion. There's a lot of, you know, hate, a lot of different angles from a lot of different groups of people. The reality is Suarez can drive. It's not like he didn't deserve to be in a car. It's not like he didn't deserve to be in the 19. It's not like he didn't deserve to be in the 41. And and moreover, the people I want to hate it because Kurt Busch got replaced. The fact is Kurt Busch is happier driving the one car, and frankly, he's doing pretty darn good in that thing. So really, what does it matter to you that he, that Kurt Busch got got replaced or or he left on his own? He called his own shot, and that's really what it is with Kurt Busch. He's never really been able to call a shot for years. Now he did. He's been able to move on. So people want to hate Suarez about replacing Kurt Busch. He didn't really replace Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch decided what he wanted to do. Suarez was the beneficiary because he was going to get let go because of Martin Truex. Uh, the Stuart Haas cars, I mean, this is the first time, I think this year, maybe the second time this year that all four finished in the top 10, which is something I got used to last year. Um, you know, this new 
BS package they have going on. I mean, but the reality is now that Stuart Haas is getting their hands around it, they're able to go and get top 10, get everybody in the top 10. I think obviously with Penske being missing, it might have adjusted some of the results, but, uh, you know, the SHR cars are, you know, getting back up there. I mean, obviously everyone's going to talk about Harvick, but the reality is with Kevin Harvick, it's, you know, that when, when it counts, they'll be able to switch it on. And uh, I, there's been years where they'd run every week and they'd lead the most laps and they wouldn't win races. They still make the final four. They get the, get there. You know, then there's years that they have to go and work really hard, but they still get there. It, it, there's just something about him and Rodney Childers. They'll figure it out. And I'm not really concerned about their speed at the moment. Right now, Penske and Gibbs are the two teams, but really Stuart Haas is right next to them. So I agree. They're they're going to be able to they'll be able to get their share of wins here as the season goes on. And I'm probably after this Easter, if they haven't gotten a win before the Easter break, they're probably going to come out right after that Easter break and probably put some wins down. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero here tonight, talking in circles. Clayton Cole and Philip Matthew here tonight on Talking Circles. Breaking down uh, Texas Motor Speedway the whole week from Texas Motor Speedway. We'll get into the Xfinity Series and Truck Series a little bit later. We're focusing on a Cup Series race right now from Texas Motor Speedway. And the interesting part about Hamlin, and not to sort of backtrack a little bit, but, you know, he wanted to move – he didn't want to move away from Mike Wheeler, who was his crew chief last season. And when you look at his his last couple of – you know, last season, he struggled last year. You know, he didn't win a race – um, and his last win in 2017 was, you know, at Darlington in the Southern 500 in, in the uh, Sports Clips car. You know, so it was a, it's been a while really since we've seen Denny Hamlin. And before that, it was Loudon. It's been a while since we've seen Hamlin win on a mile and a half track. And I think that's what sort of makes this win here where you sit there and go, hmm, a very, um, a, a very good win before today was at Chicagoland in 2015. So uh, yeah, that, that's a long time. That's a while. That's a, that's while, a long yeah. time for Denny Hamlin. So um, for him to win on a mile and a half track, I think it puts him in. And let's face it, most of our races, at least until this year, until next year when we go to a, a, a chase that's a little bit more uh, friendly, friendlier to drivers who are good on short tracks and good everywhere else but the mile and a half tracks. Um, right now, if he wants to compete for a championship in the Cup Series, he's going to have to perform on the mile and a half tracks. And that could have been Hamlin's Achilles heel here the last few years is we haven't seen him really go out there and perform the way he needed to do on a mile and a half tracks. Well, a new crew chief this year, he's been able to do that. And, uh, you know, I think like you said earlier, Gibbs has really got to figure it out. You look at Eric Jones, even in fourth, he spun early in that event, caused a caution and he was able to save it and not hit anything and come home in a fourth position for Eric Jones. So uh, a nice day for Joe Gibbs as a whole, uh, you know, we, we discussed Martin Trix Jr. We haven't discussed Martin Trix Jr., I should say. He had an up-and-down day. We talked about Kyle Busch. I think Kyle might have had a, one of the two or three best cars all day today, but uh, he banged yeah. it off the wall and um, had to pit under green. It didn't hurt him too bad because he could make it from there, so they didn't have to stop twice, and he was able to to uh, to run and, and, and chase some people down and, and salvage a top-ten finish out of it. But... Um, not the, not the kind of thing you're used to seeing from Kyle Busch at all, but I think Joe Gibbs, certainly with Eric Jones and Hamlin and what we saw from uh, Kyle Busch today, 
I think they're certainly uh, the number one team to beat here. That that organization is is the number one organization to beat here, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's. I mean, the reality is, it's been this case for since 2015, really, since they the regulations changed in COP and they changed it in in a sense to favor uh, Toyotas and their engines. There's been a thing where Gibbs has basically been the number one team, and it's really been the 18 car. Uh, you know, there's been sites from, there's been a little bit of Hamlin, a little bit of, you know, Kenseth, and, you know, now you have in Carl Edwards as well when he was around. And now they have all four cars kind of competing pretty well, which is the fact is when you saw what Stuart Haas did last year, there's really no excuse for a top line team to not be able to provide four really good cars. It used to be a thing where you could have three plus one. That's what a lot of these teams have done over time. Uh, But Gibbs knows that if they really want to win this championship this year, they've gotten to the final four with Kyle all these years and Earl haven't been able to close. Uh, They got beat by their own customer. Uh, and, uh, you know, so the reality is that they need, if they want to win this championship, they need everybody running well. And uh, today was a sign that that looks like it's going on and it's something that everybody has to be concerned about as we keep on going through the season, uh, honestly, because it's going to be, it's not going to go away. They're going to keep on improving, frankly. Another team that showed a sign, a good sign today was, was Hendrick Motorsports. Um, Jimmy Johnson yeah. took the pole and William Byron started second and they certainly had their moments in the race where they faded back. Overall, it was a very good day for Hendrick Motorsports. Jimmy Johnson got out of that 48 car and he looked relieved. He was like, man, that was a, that was a great run. Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson made a, a really interesting call at the end of that race to take four tires and it cost them a lot of track position. That's why they ended up 13th. But a, a very good day for Hendrick Motorsports. Jimmy Johnson, uh, this is, used to be his playground. He used to come to Texas and beat everybody's rear ends, and, uh, and all of a sudden they seem to lose it. But do you think – I'm going to ask you about this, team, this question with this team. Now, remember, keep in mind, Jimmy led both practice sessions, won the pole, uh, and ran very strong today in the race. Do you think this is a, a turn of a corner finally for Hendrick Motorsports to where you think they're going to compete for more wins on a regular basis? Or do you think this is just sort of a one race? Let's see what we get. Let's see what we got here coming up uh, a few weeks down the road when we go to the next mile and a half track. What are your thoughts on Hendrick Motorsports' run today, and what do you think about what what that means for the future? I mean, for the forty eight car, there hasn't been a lot to celebrate all year. Uh, you know, in terms of their production. That's uh, been pretty bad. It's been a lot of bad news, and we've been on here talking about it at the end. Or you know, we've been kind of been hitting the the sirens of the alert sirens about oh, is it the end for Jimmy Johnson? And the fact that he was able to do you know a Jimmy Johnson kind of race today and get a pretty good finish out of it is good for him, good for the morale of that team. They led 60 laps today. I mean, I don't even remember. I mean, it used to be a thing where he'd always dominate races. Well, 60 laps, leading 60 laps is a pretty big deal. I, I'm more impressed. I mean, the reality is Jimmy Johnson, there's a reason why he is who he is. And all the greats have had times where they've gone down. 
and some of them have been able to actually bring themselves back up. I think this is a good sign. Do I think it's a sign that it's turned a corner? I'm not so sure. I'm not going to hitch my wagon to that. I think I'd want to wait till, you know, they go to Kansas to really find out if that's where they've turned a corner because that's going to be a time where they're going to have to commit. There's going to be a lot more energy, a lot more races coming along at that point. There's going to be some short tracks and be some interesting races here coming up. Uh, I'm more interested in William Byron, you know, Chad Canals. They they have some int- different strategy. That 24 car, that's about the best William Byron's ever looked in a cup car, quite frankly. And uh, I think that's a good sign for them. Uh, Chase Elliott, whatever, Gustafson, they have those habits where they do that once or twice a year where, you know, Gustafson does that with everybody he's ever been with. He makes these interesting calls and screws it up, but it's whatever. Uh, Chase Elliott is still that number one guy at Hendrick right now. It just worked out that strategy put Johnson and Byron ahead. Um, Bowman has got horrendous luck. Uh, right now, and he needs some. He needs a good momentum shift there. But Hendrick Motorsports. The fact of the matter is that they were productive and competitive this weekend, generally as a whole organization. Excuse me, is something that is is big for them, considering how far off they've been for the last year or so. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's one at Bristol. I mean, Bristol is a is a track where you can kind of make you can make uh make up some for some deficiencies uh you know the next couple of weeks could could be a turning point talladega they're always going to be fast because of the restrictor plate or now tapered spacer racing so who knows maybe they turn it around before we get to kansas but i'm not so sure that they're all the way back yet it's a case of i want to see what they bring out these next few weeks yeah, I'm with you. I, I agree. I think this is certainly a step in the right direction for the organization um, and, and something you can build on. I think they, they had a, a very good day today, but, um, you know, it's a, there's still more to do. That's for sure for Hendrick yeah. Motorsports. But I think you, you sit there and you look at it and you say, hey, it wasn't like we were completely out to lunch in all four of our race cars. And really the only car that really we've seen speed of in the last year and a half, like you said, was Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson in that nine team. The rest of the top 10 was Eric Amarola. We talked about Stuart Haas Racing and those guys. Seventh, it was Kevin Harvick, eighth. Another top 10 finish for Kurt Busch in ninth. And Kyle Busch, we talked about his troubles in 10th. A couple other things I want to touch on here as we go through the rest of the field. Ryan Newman in 11th. I thought Newman had a pretty good day today. He didn't lead, um, but he was up in the top 10 for a lot of the day. Um, He got some stage points there in stage two. Both him and Stenhouse did. Um, it wasn't the best day for Ryan Newman, but again, when you look at, at the mile and a half tracks, you know, we, we sort of saw this team fade a little bit, especially at um, California and Martinsville. California. They, didn't, they didn't really run that good, but we, we finally see this team now where I thought maybe if they lost some momentum and they lost their way, it would be hard for them to find, get it back. They've seemed to gotten it back here today. We saw some speed, and I know they ended up, you know, not not when you look at it, 11th and 16th place finishes from Rash Fenway, you're like, eh, not a great day. But um, they both got some decent stage points today. I thought it was a a nice day for Newman, and particularly Ryan Newman. So uh, over there at Rash Fenway, another driver I think you can can group into that is Austin Dillon. Um, Dillon had a start at uh, 
He started up front, did a very nice job, um, and I thought he had some speed there. So for him to um, be up there, he got – I think he finished stage one and fourth. Um, so for him to go up there and run and show some speed early and really just, um, you know, show that, that they can be competitive, I thought was a right a step in the right direction for both Newman and uh, Austin Dillon and 11th and 14th, Philip. Yeah, I mean, for right now, RCR is in – isn't exactly in the greatest spot. And uh, for Austin Dillon to actually, they've had great qualifying days. They've had great Fridays and great Saturdays and then completely crapped in the bed on Sunday. The three to actually come through with a decent finish is a positive. I mean, same thing with uh, the Roush Fenway group, Uh, their customer team with front row had Michael McDowell finish 15th on the lead lap, probably is the best finish of the year, uh, if, if it isn't, whatever. I, but the fact of the matter is that team has had a lot of struggles and been in a lot of wrecks and uh, had a lot of deals going on with Suarez and fighting. So the fact that the Roush team, the Roush Fenway organizations made a turn at, at, a, at a cookie cutter type track is a good sign it shows that the work they had to do last year and Matt Kenseth coming in made a difference. It also looks like what Ryan Newman and Scott Graves have brought to the table have kept them in the loop, have kept them in, in, uh, you know, in play here, you know, while it's early in the season, because who knows where the development is going to go, how far it's going to get out there. But I mean, at least right now, they're maintaining. I mean, right now, in terms of Newman is 20th in points. He's only 21 points out of the cutoff. Then uh, Ricky Stenhouse is still in the playoff as of now. He's, uh, what is it, 10 points ahead of Eric Jones in the cutoff. So, I mean, he's had, Stenhouse has had an all right year. I mean, he only has the one top 10 finish. Newman doesn't have a top 10 finish yet, but in the end, considering where Roush has been the last few years, to kind of be in the ballpark is good for them. I think RCR has a lot of work to do in terms of trying to get there because really Dylan has had that for a couple of races this year, and otherwise it's been really bad. Ty Dillon had a great week at Richmond, or I mean Martinsville last week, and so did Bubba to a point considering how bad they've been. Um, they kind of fell back this week to where they've been all year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in terms of Daniel Heinrich's luck is abysmal. Oh, he's had a, te- he's had a really, really, really rough year so far. Hemrick. So, I mean, it's, I don't know how to really assess where RCR is. Cause I mean, the eight cars had brutal luck almost every week. The 13 and the 43 are in their own separate have in their own separate room, the three car has his moments. So, I mean, it's a good finish. Dylan led last cool looking car today, but there's more progress to be made there from that RCR group to be relevant here in the next few months when it really counts. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I think it's a step in the right direction though. And I, I'll say this, um, you know, they touched on a little earlier. I think you see what you've seen from that three car this year. And I know he won 
uh, the Daytona 500 last year, and he's won races in the past. But I think this is so far as a whole, and and they got to put all race all the races together. There's no a whole race together. There's no doubt about that. I don't think um, we've seen that team perform a, a put a full race together as far as have speed consistently every single run and run in the top five like we've seen in the past from an, from other organizations. But there's been yeah. flashes of really a really nice signs for that three team and that real tree team today, especially with Austin Dillon. And uh, I think that the Danny Stockman move was one of the better moves yeah. of the off season yeah. because it just gives Dillon that confidence. And uh, he, he seems to be running a lot better. You mentioned Michael McDowell in 15th. He started there, really didn't leave the top 20 all day. Uh, was on a lead lap for, I think the entire race. I don't think they took a wave around or anything at that loves travel stops forward for Michael McDowell. So a very nice day for him over there at, uh, at Front Row Motorsports, so a 15th place finish for him. Uh, Stenhouse, we talked about him in 16th. Then it was Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, Paul Menard, and Chris Busher rounding out the top 20. Logano had a pretty fast car, but some interesting, you know, little things going on there at Team Penske, and, and that's who I want to t- focus on t- today, just with their issues. You know, Ryan Blaney had an engine issue, which you don't hardly ever see anymore. Uh, they had some some sort of issue. Kozlowski had an issue with uh, what sounded like a rear end gear or, or loss of transmission yeah, or something yeah. like that. And uh, Joey Logano had an issue with the hood. Uh, something with the hood where I think the, the braces on the inside of the hood broke and, yeah. and, and the hood collapsed and it really affected his aerodynamics and they could never really find it after that. So uh, as strong as team Penske was, I mean, Bellini had probably one of the fastest cars today. He was, he was really, really strong. Led 45 laps for that car blew up. Kozlowski um, was pretty good today as well. And, and Logano showed some speed today. You know, they, they have a won 17th. A they won a stage. Logano did right. They have a 17th, 36th, and 37th place finish to show for today. So um, do you think maybe that Team Penske was, was sort of, since at least two of the drivers have wins, were they sort of using this race? Because we know, like you said earlier, we're going to come in here as a as a playoff race in November. Do you think they were sort of trying some things to maybe find some additional speed, whether they made the, the braces on the inside of the car just a little bit uh, lighter so they got a little bit more speed out of it, something with the rear end gear, something with the engine? Do you think Team Penske did that, or is it just a, a day full of bad luck for them? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, the TV guys said it too, uh, but in terms of what, happen with with Brad I mean I've I am out there and saying I've never liked Texas Motor Speedway and I never will uh they should fill the place of water and they should have the Bassmasters Classic here there for the rest of eternity but the reality is now I've found another reason why I don't like Texas Motor Speedway because for some reason they have to have a pit stall that's part concrete and part pavement if it was all concrete, it would be one thing. If it was all pavement, it would be one thing. But it's part concrete and part pavement. He goes and leaves the pits after the stage break, and then he's driving around and all of a sudden blown out the, the one axle, and he's got they got to replace the whole rear end gear. I mean, I, that's just ridiculous. I, I mean, that's pathetic. For all the nonsense to do with this racetrack and all that, you, you want to go and tell me you can't go and make a whole concrete pit box I mean, it's just stupid. The The reality is I don't think that had anything to do with R&Ding anything. 
It's possible. Who knows? The reality is that's where it's like, you know what? I want, I could be mad that he finished 36, but then I can be, then this is what's so, that's where you can go and switch it around. It's like, it doesn't really matter anymore that he finished 36. It used to matter when it was a full season point standing, but mm-hmm. now because he's won two of the first six races of the year, who cares? Whatever. Is it, it, right. it, all it means is he he went from from being whatever fourth or fifth in points or third or fourth in points to sixth in points, and he's gonna and he fell from being second in the points or second in the reset to third. Right. That's literally all that happened for Brad. The word, it was really bad for Ryan in that he lost he lost some points today and lost a lot of positions, uh, you know, in terms of blowing up when he had a car that probably was a top five car could have possibly won today. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. a shame for them. They don't have the win. Uh, In terms of Logano, I mean, the hood's collapsing. The way that the air is going on these cars, uh, those hood flaps are coming up very easily because of the crazy downforce that seems to be into all the turbulence that's being made with this great rules package they have. So I think it's a sign of, okay, fine. They may have been experimenting, but it may also be, well, yeah, we probably should be running a little stiffer, you know, you know, supports in these hoods so that, you know, they won't have this issue as it goes on when it really matters. Because this, this race at the end of the day, outside of it being in the, in the playoff, is just the run of the mill, you know, cookie cutter race. Right. Uh, yeah. So, to me, I want to be mad, obviously, with my own personal, you know, thing. But at the other hand, then I thought about it and I said, you know what? It could be R and D. It could just be, you know, the stupidity of what a, one of the worst racetracks ever made. It's just bad luck. You know, at the end of the day, they're going to come back next week. They're going to be pretty competitive at Bristol, and they'll be competitive at Talladega and everywhere after that. So, you yeah. know, chalk it up to a bad day. And, and it's okay that it's a bad day now. You'd rather have the bad day in April, or I mean in March, than in November when the race actually really counts. And so... Yeah. Oh, and that's the thing you talked about, you know, the speed. Team Penske has speed, you know, and yeah. um, as bad as today was, you know, you it still showed you had speed. It wasn't like you sat there. I would be way more concerned if you ran the entire race and you sat there and said, well, we lost our handling of our race. I mean, we saw, I think it was last week with Logano at Martinsville where they sort of lost the handling on that car, but that was only one car. And you said they probably made a bad adjustment. Okay. You can understand that. But if all three teams just kind of went to 10th to 15th and didn't really handle that well at the end, you're sitting there going, Oh boy, we're in trouble. But I think a, a day like this, it's, it's just a bad day. Like you said, um, 917-889-8280 is the number to call here on Talking Circles. Uh, that's exactly what Ben in North Carolina did. He called that number, and he's on the show tonight. Hello, Ben. What do you want to talk about? Uh, hey, uh, how are you doing? Well, um, I'm, I'm just good. Wondering, is this, um, I'm, do you think we're just going to continue to see this style of racing continue, uh, continuously throughout the year now that we've got a good sample size? I've just noticed that, in particular, the cautions have been way, way down this year, and mm-hmm. it, it's just it seemed more difficult to watch this year it's just been so spread out just without the speed there it's just not it's just been a way different product 
Yeah, here's my problem with today's race, and I and I and Ben, I'll say this: I'm probably in the minority on this because I went on Twitter and uh, there was a lot of people who I respect who were talking this race up and said it was a great race. My problem is track position meant so much and strategy meant so much. Um, I like the fact where you could pass people if your car handles good and you and you've got a good race car and you're a good driver, you could pass people, and if you don't, you don't. Um, the leader didn't get away today, which was a positive for sure, but um, I, I didn't like the fact that I felt like you could, you know, if your car wasn't very good, you could sort of steal one. Um, and the, I think Hamlin had a really good race car, and he won, and he should have won. I don't know if he should have won, but he won, had a really good race car. Um, so that was my problem with today's race. I just don't like where track a race where track position means pretty much like 80% of it. Um, so mm-hmm. that's my, that's my problem with today's race at Texas. Uh, you're talking about the whole season as, a, as jet in general. Um, listen, I think they're going to stick with this package as long as the ratings keep going up and they get, and they see what mm-hmm. the feedback is on Twitter and they see what the feedback is on Facebook and they hear what the feedback is on Sirius XM NASCAR radio, um, from the fans. I think that's what, you know, and their fan council, they're going to ask too, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that's all they got everything to do with it. Right. They do already. Um, so I think that's got a lot to do with this. So, um, you know, I'll say this though, Ben, the crowd at Texas Motor Speedway didn't help that today. Cause uh, you know, and I don't like to tarp on the crowd because a lot of tracks are having issues with, with attendance, but that was brutal today at Texas. If you saw the crowd there. Um, yeah. What did you think of what what do you, what do you think was the best race of the year so far? If you don't mind me asking, Ben. Probably Martinsville or Daytona. Hmm. Well, Martinsville is a tremendous racetrack. Uh, I thought yeah, it was. I mean, a, that's a, my home track, so yeah. Yeah, and we love Martinsville. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great racetrack, but you know, um, what do you think, Philip? I mean, do you agree with that assessment that um, you know? Unless the the fans are vocal about it, they're going to keep this product the way it is. I I mean I what is it? I think Junior is going to have Steve Phelps on his deal uh, this week or tomorrow. I'm sure that they're going to get some some action from some people, but of course with Junior being a NBC guy and being who he is, and Steve, they're probably going to sugarcoat some things. I don't believe, I mean, being, we're both old school, and that's part of the problem. Uh, I don't see this package as being much of a solution. I think it's a Band-Aid that on a big, that on a wound that is massive, and I don't think it's a good product, quite frankly. Um, and, and to me, when you're telling me that they have like 550 horsepower in cup and a truck has 450 and an Xfinity is like 525 or something like what are, where are we at? You know, the cup cars, you shouldn't be able to run wide open in a cup car period. I agree to me, to me, there's no way. Under no circumstances should you be able to drive a cup car into a corner 
wide open that doesn't have involve Daytona or Talladega because they have not figured out how to make a, a race without having to have some sort of tapered space or restricted play. The fact that they were able to basically go flat out at times for laps on end is a problem. That means the cars are stuck. And if the cars are that stuck to the ground, you're not going to be able to pass. And the reality is there would be people like Jimmy was out front. The perfect example. Jimmy was out front for a lot of that first segment until Joey passed him. And then Jimmy got put in the, into the pack. And then he'd mm-hmm. be able to catch people, but he didn't go anywhere. And other people got up and whatever, and they didn't go anywhere. And quite frankly, all that is is the same thing that we've always had because of arrow push, arrow, you know, like arrow push, arrow tight, arrow loose, except now we only have 550 horsepower instead of 800 horsepower or 750 or whatever number, magical number they come up with in Daytona. And then they just have this massive, ridiculous spoiler, eight-inch spoiler on the back of it, and the cars are sealed off to the ground. And you have a bunch of engineers sitting there going and making engineering things. I why is it so di- – I don't get why it's so difficult to, to go and get the cars off the freaking ground and why you can't well, just run 850 horsepower in a cup I, car. I, I don't understand why that's a thing. It's that's funny my you mentioned. It's funny you mentioned the uh, – the, the uh, splitter and the side skirts today because we had that on the talk on the show today with Rocky Ryan, and he said – you know that's part of a safety issue because they don't want the cars to get up, air to get underneath the cars and have them flip over. And I'll say this, guys. You know, I was at Daytona when Kyle Larson went into the stands there, or went into the catch fence and had parts fly into the stands and and hit people. Uh, I was walking; I had to walk past that scene to get to my car. Um, and it was it was wild. You know, when you think about it, you go, "Holy Toledo!" That's you know, people came to watch a race and there's a, a tire on top of a guy and there's a a female walking out with, with a broken arm, and there's another lady. You're, you're seeing people getting rolled out on stretchers, and you're just like, wow. you know. So we can't have cars get upside down. Um, and if we didn't slow these cars down the way we have them, it's possible we could do that. And um, especially on, on a track like maybe Michigan in a couple of weeks because we go 200 miles an hour, over 200 miles an hour there. We're used to at least. Um, so I understand it from that aspect, but I agree. I think we need to find an equal medium here to where – uh, it is because I, I personally, and maybe I'm again, I'm I know I'm old school and I'm in a minority, but I did not, I was not thrilled with today's race. I kind of looked at it and was like, oh, you know, and and part of the reason why the the leader the leaders there was a lot of leaders today was there was a lot of different pit strategy. I think that helped the race today. Pit strategies came out. We had a, a couple of blown tires at certain situations that helped the strategy as well. So um, I think that's part of what made this race a little bit more interesting to people. If you know, it was because it's caution sort of fell to, fell the right way, um, and the stages broke it down. Because if we didn't have stages, guys, who knows what we'd have thought today about today's race? But uh, anything else you want to talk about tonight, Ben? Yes, I, I I heard this a while back, and I'm really interested with this now, especially with the changes to the super speedways. Brad Keselowski, I think, brought this up, and I think you maybe know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Do you think there is a realistic return given? The way the spoilers are, and in theory, they're going to have so much more grip. We may see a return at the, at the tandem. Absolutely, and they add. I don't know if you know this, but apparently they've added now another inch to the spoiler, and added that's a little right. bit. Yeah, uh, 
It's because the speeds are over 200 miles an hour. So I, I personally, I don't know how Philip feels about this. And I know, I think he was a fan of the tandem racing. I didn't care for the tandem. Uh, I kind of like, and I know the pack racing's a lot of it's luck too, but I kind of like the fact that you can still co- sort of, you know, maneuver your way through the field and not have to rely on a teammate or not have to rely on somebody else um, to do that. Uh, but I do think we're going to see it back return. I do. I think Brad Kozlowski hit the nail on the head. I think Brad, as far as predicting the future and being a race car driver and looking at things as a race car driver, I think Brad's one of the smartest guys in the garage area. I really do. And so when he says things, I listen. Um, and when he said we're going to return to push drafting, you know, the only thing I'm, I'm a little – I would be – I would say no. The only reason why I would say no, and, and this is we're not going to find out until we get to Talladega in a couple of weeks, is if the bumpers don't line up perfectly uh, and how much they can push. Because if you remember with the old tandem, you couldn't really go to the left mm-hmm. because they had the shark fin on it and it would spin people out. Um, and so you had to kind of keep it to the right. And how much how much we run with these cars, how much tape's going to be on the front nose, how, how hot they're going to get. So all that's still a work in progress. But uh, – I do think with, with the lower speeds, we will see them push draft. I think that was part of the reason. Uh, and, and whether NASCAR is going to regulate that or not, I'm not sure. Personally, I'd yeah. rather have them uh, push draft, like in the Xfinity series, push draft. Because I can't stand I, – I don't want it in NASCAR's hands to, to officiate it because I think they, they aren't, aren't very good at it. Let's just be real. You know, I think mm-hmm. they, they penalize people for – dragging a break and then they penalize people for pushing and then they're like oh well we didn't really see that and i'm like how's how's it <laughs> what's the difference between this guy and that guy when you penalize this guy and then penalize that guy yeah and when, so yeah and when go you ahead can get so close to it and time it perfectly where you're literally half an inch off and they, it's kept this health or space right yeah. it, it's just i don't trust nascar to do that personally so i'd Absolutely rather have not. them push draft because i don't want it to be put in nascar's hands to dictate who's winning these races or not um, so it's, again, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty confident what Kowalski said is going to be true. How about you, Philip? You're uh, a little bit more versed, I think in the, uh, aerodynamic department than I am. What do you think about, uh, what Ben said and what Kowalski said about, uh, push drafting? You think we're going to see it return to Talladega and Daytona? Yeah. I mean, what Ben said just now, I mean, honest to God, first time I heard it, uh, in terms of. Talladega, I mean, the reality is I'm no fan of Daytona or Talladega racing outside of those couple of years that they were able to do that because, to me, instead of having one person, one genius go and wreck 30 cars, uh, you could, you're, you're only going to wreck yourself and one other person. That's the way I looked at it. If, if it went wrong, you're only wrecking yourself and one other person or you're only wrecking yourself. And to me, and also Brad won his first race because of that with Roy Rage. And uh, if it goes to that, the reality is NASCAR's like, oh, we can't have tandem drafting. Oh, the fans are water. Oh, my God. Like, who cares? This is what we've got. They say the fans want this, and this is what we have as a product. You know, let them freaking tandem draft. If they line up or don't, these bumpers don't line up anymore. That was the one thing with that Gen 5 right. car that Brett Bodine made. They Those bumpers lined up, which is why Perfectly. the tandem worked so well. Yep. They had the horsepower, they had the arrow, everything was great. Now you have this massive honking, you know, spoiler on it. You can't see out the back. You're going to be, you're going to have 550 horsepower. You're going to be slamming the crap out of each other. They're going to have to penalize the whole field. It's either they're going to have to penalize the whole field or let them run. And yeah. 
if they let them run, I think it might actually be a decent race. That's the problem. They're consistently inconsistent. And selective enforcement. Those are the two terms I have for NASCAR. I've had them for NASCAR for years, for as long as I've been doing shows and even before that, because that's what they are. If it's a certain driver that they favor or they like, they're not going to go and make that call. But if it's somebody they don't like and is willing to go and say something about them, a.k.a. Tony Stewart, a.k.a. Brad Keselowski, they'll go and make that penalty. And that's why there's a reason There's a reason why you're losing fans. There's many reasons why, but that's one of them. You know, the way we're going to talk about qualifying probably in a minute, but that's another thing, mm-hmm. the way they handle that, you know. But if they go back to a, a push draft or allow people to do a tandem and do that, I think that I'd, I'd be fine with that, quite frankly. Um, I would rather that they have – enough throttle response and not enough drag where you can just go and do the slingshot back in the old days like Kale did and always beat Daryl Waltrip and made him cry. I'd love that, <laughs> but they're not doing that. But so the, those days are over, unfortunately, but you know, uh, if you put a tandem, I wouldn't mind it because Talladega races are boring as anything to begin with. I'd rather have that, and they're wide. It's a wide enough track where people want to go and be in a group. They can run in a group. You could do tandems. You could call the whole bit. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Well, and I just think the speed is going to be the big issue. Is, is the speed's going to be so far so much down? You talked about the bumpers not lining up anymore. You're correct, um, but I think the speed being so so uh, much lower than what we see. And I, you're going to say, well, they run in 200. That's true. So I guess we're going to see. We're going to see how it all works out here at mm-hmm. Talladega. Uh, Ben, thanks so much for calling, and uh, you brought us some great points, so please do call again. All right, cool. Thank you. Have a good night, Ben. That was Ben from North Carolina, so two interesting points he brought up. Something I want to touch on before we move, from the last part of this cup race, uh, Philip, before we move on, and it, it's an interesting guy because he's an interesting driver, so I just want to touch on him a little bit here. Um, and, and when you look at his 2019 season, he's had a pretty good year, but this is a guy I think a lot of people look at and say, He's he's one of the best better drivers talent wise on a circuit. He's really um, you know a guy I think a lot of people expect to run for the championship this year. I think this package sort of plays into his hands a little bit, and that's Kyle Larson. But yeah. we haven't really seen anything much from Kyle Larson. He led 142 laps at Atlanta, had a pit road incident to where he had to go to the rear and was never able to work his way back up. Uh, blown tire today, hit the wall. I think it might have been some contact there. I'm not sure how he blew the tire. Hit the outside yeah, wall, ended up 39th. I guess my question to you is, and and this is how I want to, you know, again, he could totally turn it on, but do you see him turning it on? I mean, when you think about Larson, these mile and a half tracks are his bread and butter so far in his career. Uh, we haven't really seen him perform great on the on the short tracks yet, uh, you know, and I think they're work in progress. But all of his wins, aside from the one at Richmond, have been on mile and a half tracks, Richmond, and, uh, Michigan, and Fontana. The other wins. Are you worried at all about Kyle Larson and this 42 team moving forward here in 2019? I mean, I'm worried about the fact that he has a horrendous pit crew. Um, that is a problem that has existed for a couple of years now. Uh, I'm The speed thing is a problem with Chevys across the board. And the fact that his teammate is performing at a very high level so far this year it's probably thrown him and Chad Johnson for a loop. 
And I think that's probably something that they haven't had for the last few years. So they, it's kind of covered them up a little bit. So now that Kyle Larson has to perform to a high level with a former champion, a guy who's won 20-plus races in Kurt Busch, he's won two of the majors. I mean, I think it's kind of messed with them a little bit. Last year wasn't the greatest year. They didn't get a win. They had a lot of close calls. Uh, I mean, the fact is Bristol is one of his best tracks. He could go out there next next Sunday and win the race, and then all of a sudden, you know, the world looks great. Um, but, I mean, the, the fact is Kyle Larson is not going away. And I think it's they're they're a little behind right now, but Atlanta shows that they're they while they're behind in certain areas, they can compete. And you know they may miss the setup occasionally, but the way this this deal works, you don't have to be on every single week to make it to the playoffs. It's once you get to the playoffs you have to put it together for 10 weeks at that point. That's really how it works now. You don't have to be good the whole year. You only have mm-hmm. to be good when it counts. So, I mean, I'm not I, I'm not completely concerned. It's not great that he went and wrecked and finished at last. But, hey, it's better it happens today than it happens in November. You're right. And you hit the nail on the head, especially about Bristol. He's finished second there both times last year uh, and has six top ten finishes and ten starts for him at Bristol Motor Speedway. So Larson does run good here there at Bristol next week, so he'll be somebody to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. Um, at NASCAR Xfinity Series race from Texas Motor Speedway, my bariatric solutions 300 was the race. Another win by Kyle Busch for Joe Gibbs Racing. Then it was Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe in fourth, had some good pit strategy at the end. They got him that, that run. Jeb Burton, he showed some speed. His first career top five in the Xfinity Series. He was fifth. Then it was Michael Onette, Justin Haley, Jeffrey Earnhardt, John Hunter, and Ivancheck, and another good run and a stage win for Ryan Sieg in the 39 car. Yeah. Uh, a, a nice weekend for him. Uh, what really stood out to you in the Xfinity Series race when you look at these finishing results here? Um, what has stood out to you? What stood out to you this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway in the Xfinity Series? I mean, when you consider Chris Bell, uh, you know, he's reinforcing himself as being that favorite role, uh, winning a stage, leading the most laps, probably should have came through with the win. Chase Briscoe was able to recover from an okay qualifying, had a chance to win it. And Tyler Reddick, who currently leads the uh, point standings in the Xfinity Series, for a new team, no less, uh, doing better than what even Daniel Hemrick was doing for that group uh, last year. I, I think the the reality is it's a three-horse race in the series right now between the Tyler Reddick and the two, Chris Bell in the 20, and Cole Custer in the double zero. It's those three, and it's everybody else. And so... I mean that the, this race didn't change anything about that. I mean, yeah, Cole Custer had a wreck. Uh, Brandon Jones also was in that wreck, and he had a really fast car. He might have been able to pull off a win, but the reality is those are the three. Those are the three guys that are going to stand out here. Um, 
in terms of who could win this championship, the fact that Kyle Busch is in a, wins an Xfinity race is whatever. You know, the sun rises, you know, the, the earth is round. There's just certain, and death and taxes, there's certain things you expect in life. Kyle Busch going yep. to win an Xfinity race is part of it. Yeah, it's funny because I, I'm in a, a fantasy group where uh, you get extra points if you pick the Xfinity Series and Truck Series winner every week. And uh, I always sit there and I'm like, you know, I want to get creative. I want to get have fun picking the Xfinity Series and Truck Series winner every week here early in the season. But it's stupid not to pick Kyle Busch. Yeah. Let's just be honest. It's dumb not to take the points when you can get them. And I picked Kyle Busch the last two weeks to win the truck and Xfinity Series race. He's done this just that, so I'm doing pretty well in that league. Uh, but he's won four it, out of five races in the one series, and he's won three out of six in the other. So, well, the good thing is for him in the Xfinity Series next week is a, I believe, a Dash for Cash event. So he'll be gone for the next, next four month. weeks. So that's gonna yeah. be, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun to watch that. Uh, Bristol's a great race racetrack anyway. But you're, you're right; it has become clear that. Um, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, and Cole Custer have sort of separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Custer had some decent speed again this week. Uh, Wrecked, though, uh, at a track that was for the Xfinity Series, a um, lot of calamity this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. So it caused uh, a little bit of drivers, especially big-name drivers. We saw Kozlowski, who was in this race this weekend as well. He wrecked, and it caused a big issue, uh, took him out of the race. But the other thing that's becoming clear from the Xfinity Series uh, is that there's only going to be 13 drivers that are really competing for the championship as far as points are concerned. Justin mm-hmm. Haley's only 10 points ahead of Ross Chastain right now, and the Chastain's got uh, a 37-point lead over Brandon Brown for 13th. So, uh, you know, Brown and Golding and these guys, they're going to have to win if they want to get into the playoffs. Everybody else can sort of point happen. their way in. and Right, and that's not happening. So um, everybody else is going to have to sort of point their way in if they want to do that. Um, and I think Haley might even separate the gap a little bit on, on Ross Chastain. Chastain's had a real, you know, he's, a, I can't say enough about Chastain and his talent. Um, but what's going to have to happen for him is he's going to have to really capitalize on the three races he runs, uh, four races now, three left he's got with the 10 car uh, in order to really um, make the playoffs, I think. Because right now, for whatever reason, JD Motorsports, that four team doesn't have the speed that they had last year or even the year prior. Uh, I don't know if it was that they didn't expect Chastain to be there or whatnot, but they're, you know, he even admitted to it last week. They're sort of in a transition there. Chastain finished 16th, which is a decent day for them. But, you know, usually you see him up in the top 10, top 15, really um, putting together solid weekends, getting some stage points here and there. You're used to seeing him in that four car doing that. So that's become clear that that team's not really where they need to be uh, at this point in the season. So uh, just something to keep an eye on in the Xfinity series. They run Bristol next weekend. Um, so if you're interested in that series and really interested in watching, starting to watch the Xfinity series and these Xfinity series drivers getting wins as please start watching at Bristol motor speedway. Uh, another yep. race at this weekend at Texas motor speedway. Another race was won by Kyle Busch, the Van Cor three, three Not sure why it was 350. Why they threw that number on there. It's a 220 mile race, but whatever. Um, Kyle Busch won it. It was Stuart Friesen second. Then it was Johnny Sauter. Grant Enfinger, Matt Crafton, Tyler Ankrum, uh, Ross Chastain, Tyler Dipple, Brendan Poole, Ben Rhodes, and Spencer uh, – yeah, Brendan Rhodes, your top ten. Um, 
Spencer Boyd finished 11th, and it was Corey Roper. A lot of wrecks in this race, too. We saw both Todd Gilland wreck. We saw um, uh, also Harrison Burton crash. Burton's was terminal. Angela Rush crashed. Uh, Gus Dean crashed. We saw a big fire and crash from Anthony Alfredo. He wrecked. Uh, just a lot of carnage in this, in this truck series race, excuse me, as well. But it was another race that was pretty much dominated by Cabo. She led uh, 97 laps. Moffitt had a, a lot for him before he had his issues. Uh, but other than that, it was really a, a day dominated by Kyle Busch. Friesen tried to put together something at the end to run at the end to catch him, but it was Kyle Busch uh, winning the Truck Series race. What stood out for you on Friday night, Philip, when you watched the Truck Series race? Yeah, I, I would say that uh, the Canon East champion here, Tyler Ankrum, going and getting a sixth-place finish, that DGR Crosley effort, has not been the greatest so far this year. I mean, Anthony Alfredo's had some bad luck, and obviously his huge wreck at Texas is just par for what has gone on early this season. But for Ankrum, who's going to be running the rest of the year, and he's kind of in that, you know, Todd Gilland situation where he needs probably needs a win to make it. He definitely needs a win to make it into the playoffs. Uh, but... For that team, they haven't exactly been the greatest performing team, and they've had some mediocre, you know, drivers. The fact that he's able to go and get a sixth-place finish, you know, right now he's 25th in points. He only has run two races so far this year. So, I mean, he has to jump over a bunch of different teams, different drivers, but I, I would give him, and then also the Tyler Dipple, and that's zero two. He, right now he's 11th in points, and that's pretty good. I mean, obviously that's nowhere near, you know, playoff contention because they only take eight. But you know, to be right there on that edge of the top ten, the best of the rest, basically, that's a pretty big deal. Getting a top ten finish, uh, that's a big deal for that group. Those are the two things that stand out to me. Uh, from uh, the Friday night deal. And now that they have a month off, they're going to go and hopefully the, the these teams are going to be able to build up their, their trucks and build up their inventory before they come back uh, in May uh, to go and basically get the season started again. Yeah, they run Dover, then Kansas, then Charlotte three weeks in a row before they get the next weekend off. Uh, Dover is on um, May 3rd. So you, you have a month off, as you said, uh, and that's going to really change some things up after, you know, we see what they do at, at those three races. So uh, it, unfortunately it was a Kyle Busch dominated race. Um, I think the one thing I haven't we really haven't seen, I would like to see is, you know, a, a decent day for Thor sport, but we haven't really seen them lead a lot of laps. And I guess maybe that's because Kyle Busch is in these races um, but we haven't really seen them lead a lot of laps and go out there and compete for wins um, like like we're used to seeing with, with somebody out of Thor Sport Racing. So, um, you know, we'll see what, what, what goes on here as the season goes on. But, um, you know, you look at the points, it's Frisian leading. Right now he leads Endfinger by six points. Then it's Ben Rhodes, 16 back. Sauter, 22 back. Moffat, 26 back. Then Crafton, Austin Hill, Todd Gilliland, Harrison Burton, uh, the top nine there. And Gilliland sort of the cutoff be interesting to see if if these abm cars the rest of them can sort of find themselves because it's been a tough year for gilliland and burton so far um for both of them because they really haven't competed for for a lot of the wins 
Uh, we'll see if they can do that as the season moves on here um, in a truck series. I want to thank Philip Matthew tonight for uh, doing a great job, like always. And um, we'll see you guys next time on Talking Circles. We're getting ready for Bristol. As as much as you know, the mile and a half drives us drives us crazy. I know Philip. I'm sure Philip feels the same way I do. Can't wait for Bristol. Can't wait for Richmond. The two short tracks. We need more short tracks. Can't wait. See y'all next time on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.